Hello everybody and welcome back for another episode. It's Reina and Ina and today we'll both be talking to you all about how we as 19 year olds in this big wide world feel like fraud sometimes and kind of about imposter syndrome and everything in between. So as you heard before I'm joined by my fabulous, incredible, amazing you're just like so flattered oh, yeah. <laughs> my flatmate Ina she's amazing because she has to put up with me on a daily basis it's not that hard it's not that hard <laughs> I would like to ask you to introduce yourself so what's your name who are you what course do you study hi I'm Ina I'm doing nursing at the same uni as Rona. um who am I what a great question. Who are you? Who am I? Where do we start? You're such a Where complex being. Um, well, I'm a military child, so I've grown up all over the world. Big start of my imposter syndrome. But yeah, I'm doing nursing, so I see a lot of people every day. So also trigger warning, if you don't like blood, don't listen, because I probably will talk about blood. Skip past Ina's part. Yeah, skip past me. But yeah, that's me. Nice to meet you guys. We have a lot to unpack in this episode. Like Ina said before, she's grown up in a lot of different countries. And I feel like now, as we both do quite academic and quite clinical courses, we're now starting to get back into like placements and going into clinics. And we just feel like frauds. <laughs> Generally, every day I wake up, I'm like, why am I going in? I'm not meant to be here. But yeah, we, we carry on daily as we will carry on with in this episode. So we're just going to start off about talking what imposter syndrome means to both of us. For me, it's the feeling that I get when I feel like I'm not good enough to be in the situation I'm in. And I feel like someone's going to find me out and kind of find out that I'm just an imposter, like I'm lying and I'm not as good as everyone else. I think that's it, the kind of thing where everybody seems to have their shit together and I don't. What's imposter syndrome for you? For me, um, I think it is growing up in all these different countries. I moved to a place and I'm expected to make home there and at the moment I'm living in Africa and I do feel very out of place. Um, I feel like I've completely marched in, taken over their country, which isn't true. I, I cohabitate with them. But generally, on a day-to-day, I walk into a friendship situation and I think, oh gosh, they're going to find me out, I'm going to be so fake. But I think it's my mind playing tricks on me because... It's definitely yeah, our minds playing tricks. Like definitely. We're not imposters, we're supposed to be there. Everybody else is probably just thinking about themselves and here we are just like everybody's gonna find me out and everyone's thinking yeah. about me but it's like generally though, like I walk into even with my bestest friends, bar a few, like Rain and I just walk in in my pajamas and I'm like hi, just woken up. <laughs> haven't brushed my hair, haven't brushed <laughs> my teeth. Like a sack potato. <laughs> but like generally in like group situations I walk and I literally go, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, they're gonna literally figure me out, they're gonna know everything about me. And it freaks me out, I do. I say to Raina quite often, if I'm going out, I'm like, I don't want to go out. They're going to be like, it's going to be so horrible. They're going to hate me. Definitely. I think an element of it is them just judging you. But I think it's more than just feeling scared of being judged. I think it's genuinely like, you're not as good as everyone else. Therefore, you're an imposter and you shouldn't be there. 
Um, so recently, you've been talking to me about different experiences you've had imposter syndrome in. Um, how has that been going into hospital placements? And being a student nurse, because you're surrounded by people that have been have gone to med school for like five, six years. They have their qualifications. They've had their experience in hospitals treating patients. Then you're just like expected to go along with it. How has that been? Such a big can of worms, really. I rocked up on my first day. I was like, hi, I'm Ina. I'm a student nurse. Where the hell do I go? Where do I go? Where Who am I? I? What do Where? I do? Where is the staff room? And it's just like... Where's the staff room fridge? The <laughs> like, fridge, yeah. That's the most important part. Most important. Where do I put my food? Where do I put my pasta that I've made six times this week? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just when the patient calls me over, they're like, nurse, nurse, come over. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a nurse. <laughs> I can't do what you're asking me to. I'm not the pain lady... There's been situations where... They literally call you the pain lady. Yeah, and you're like, I'm not qualified to give you medication. I can literally <laughs> kill you with this prescription. Yeah, I don't know how much paracetamol you need, but like, I can't do that. And like, there was a situation the other day. And full disclaimer, if you don't like icky stuff, skip past this bit. And I heard the buzzer go. And it was an emergency buzzer. Like, the, the whole bells were going. And I was like... It was chaos. Ah, 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 what do I do? And there's me taking this guy's observations. And I was like, oh, um, his oxygen saturations just don't look right to me. But this could be the, the machine playing up or I'm just being really dumb. And then... He went on to full like pericardiac arrest, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And in non-medical terms, what's pericardiac arrest? Uh, they basically had a very, very big heart attack. A very big heart attack. Very and big. So heart the attack. emergency buzzers were going. Everyone was rushing in. You kind of thought that there was something wrong, but you were just yeah, a student. I'm... You've been doing online lectures for the, since <laughs> yeah. September. You don't know what's going on, and you have that responsibility placed upon you, but. You don't feel like you're qualified. And it's when the imposter. Doctor, imposter. Massive <laughs> imposter. Like the doctor's like, go get me digoxin. Go get me this like saline fluids. And I'm like the most obscure <laughs> drugs. I'm like, where's that kept? Please someone tell me because I don't know what it looks like for one. They were like shoving needles into this guy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. At this point, how long have you been at the hospital for? How many times? Like six shifts i think six days six days and i'm already expected to know how to use a crash cart how to Save basically cannulate someone i was like i'm not going to be qualified for that mm. this guy like bleeding out everywhere i'm like ah, someone help me but basic imposter syndrome i don't belong in that hospital at the moment to be doing stuff that I don't know. But also my mentor won't teach me, so. Shade to your mentor. <laughs> Shade to my mentor. She will never listen to this. She'll never listen to this, but <laughs> if you're out there. I love you, Jen. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> I think it's interesting what you said because you have no knowledge on how to do these things, where the drugs are kept, how to cannulate someone, how to check that someone's having a heart attack or they're just, it's another thing, like a false alarm but you're capable of doing it and that's why you're there. And it just goes to show that the amount of knowledge that you have and the level of your capability are not correlated because just because you don't have the knowledge doesn't mean you have the ability to therefore do it because in the future, you'll be able to do all these things and you'll be a nurse and you'll just be out here saving people's lives every day. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes down to it, when you finally feel competent and 
confident in your abilities, that's when your level of knowledge has like matched your potential or your yeah. capability. But I think right now is the hardest stage just yeah, going right now, from stage one. Yeah. Right now I daily go to the loo and I just cry because I'm like, I have no <laughs> idea what they've just asked me to do, but they expect me to do it by myself. I don't want to ask because they look at me like I'm dumb. But <laughs> It's very overwhelming. Yeah. Not just the whole thing it's you're in a very life or death situation you're in a hospital especially the ward i'm on especially the hospital you're in it's a big hospital um it's crazy how you're just expected to do that you're a little year one student you're still a baby baby. guys like hands up i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) definitely yeah I, i do giggle a lot on the awards day because I'm like ha, ha, I don't know what I'm doing and I just kind of do like a little skip yeah and all the old patients are just looking at you like because you're on the liver ward aren't you yeah. so they're all pretty over the age they're of they're... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say pretty old but you're just like dying they're dying <laughs> so yeah they look at you like you have authority in your uniform you have yeah. your stethoscope your little nurse badge my little nurse badge and they're like nurse I, I need help. I'm bleeding out. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what that, I, that I, means. What do I do? Do I put pressure on it? Do I not put pressure on because you've got a massive mm. big scar? What do I do? I think to stop feeling so insecure in your abilities, you do have to look to other people for help and ask them, what should I do? And like just start gaining your confidence back. Well, not confidence back, confidence to confidence begin with. Confidence to begin with. <laughs> and it helps when you have good mentors and good team members around you and people that uplift you. Um, but it does start with you recognising the feeling that you have imposter syndrome in the first place. Otherwise, you'll always just be feeling kind of out of place and you won't know why. But I think it's good that you've recognised that. Okay, I feel like an imposter because I don't know anything and they put me in the deep end and... I'm out of my comfort zone. Listen big, back to last week's episode. <laughs> big, big out of my comfort zone. Big, big. But it's fun. I've learned a lot. I learned how to do an ECG the other day by myself. And That's insane. In English terms. <laughs> in English, in, in terms. normal person. That's an echocardiogram, which like measures the waves of your heart and your heartbeat, whether you're actually okay. And I went to the doctor and he, was, he just asked me to read it and I said to him, to be quite honest with you, I've never done this before and it looks like Arabic writing to me. There's squiggles on a page and he just looked at me and he raised an eyebrow he said, you should know this by now. And I was like, at least you weren't know. reading it back to front like Arabic. <laughs> you just switched, switched <laughs> the sides. <laughs> but yeah, that's so difficult. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what this is. And he's just like, read it. The pressure. And he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Oh. He's a FY1 as well, which is like a junior doctor. Fresh so out of med school. Literally fresh out of med school. First year out of med school. Their egos are just so big. They're like, yeah, I'm a doctor now. This is my six years training. Yeah, I'm so cool. Um... I, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor now. And you're a nurse, you just make tea. No, I don't, by the way. Oh, I hate when people say that about nurses. Like, nurses are the backbone of the NHS. And you're like, I'm not just someone here I to don't make you tea. tea. The, the tea ladies do the tea. That's... <laughs> uh, I think also an antidote to feeling like that is like, reminding how much hard work you've had to do to get to that point like you had to put so much work in to even get to become a student nurse in the hospital 
but it's crazy how our minds just trick us out trick ourselves i'm gonna start that again rewind <laughs> it's crazy how we trick ourselves and our mind tricks us to believe that we're not meant to be there and we haven't put in the work to get there but we've had to be- overcome so many obstacles academically professionally mentally to get to that point especially like the interview process for you yeah so i do I dentistry and I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast just because I feel like when I say dentistry, it doesn't reflect me as a person. Like, I'm so much more than just... Yeah, I so study teeth. <laughs> you have, like, so many hobbies that you could... Yeah, I'm not, like... Them. I'm just obsessed with teeth. Um, that's why I don't really say it off the bat to people. So to get into my course, I had to write a statement of why I wanted to do the course. A aptitude test, which was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It was so traumatising. There was also an interview and I just felt like there was so much more. But the process went on for a long time and there was so much waiting and anticipation to hear back about, oh, you've gotten into the next stage. Oh, you've actually gotten in. But actually, you have to wait until you get your grades on results day to find out if you're actually going to go to that university. So the UK journey to getting into university is actually very chaotic if you want to do kind of medicine dentistry even nursing is the nursing same so you had to do all of that you uh, had to overcome so much but we're here but we still feel like we're frauds <laughs> especially with online uni as well like you've been behind a screen in your bedroom you hardly know anyone on your course and you're expected to go in to like this hospital setting and you for clinics as well um mm. and we haven't been at uni it's not real the only real part of uni was we've got a uni flat. Big deal. Like, Yeah, you're with other uni students, but what does that mean? I feel like I'm a pretend university student. I mean, yeah. We're just like pretend students. But I never actually plan podcast episodes in advance. It kind of just comes up from something I've read that week or a conversation I've had with a friend or thoughts I've been having. But this week's episode was actually inspired by the fact that I went into uni properly for the second time last week and I was there like all day from nine till about five and we had lectures and then in between I was just studying with my course mates at the library at the dental school and we were just got to the point where we were talking about oh so what school are you from and they just made the point that it was very rare for somebody on our course to be from a state school so a non-fee paying like public school and the majority of them were from private schools or grammar schools aka fee-paying, very middle-class type schools. And I just felt so out of place. And I felt like I had to say things to kind of prove myself that I'm just as good as them. And it was just a bit of imposter syndrome and a bit like a fraud because I also got in through kind of an access course. Um, So it was a program that helped people from state schools or disadvantaged, in inverted commas, backgrounds, trying to get into dental schools or medical schools to kind of up the numbers so I always have felt like kind of a student who's just filling in like quota like quota filling and I'm not actually meant to be there I'm just filling up the numbers from students from state schools so that's kind of been difficult to kind of face that because yeah we were just talking about how much student loan we got and I was like yeah I get maximum because I'm from a disadvantaged background and my household income is really low and I was like, yeah. 
Um, and I just feel like in general, it's a bit difficult to be like one of the only people that come from a different background. I'm not saying that your backgrounds define you at all, because you can work so hard to get to the same point as everyone else, but it does influence a lot, right? It does. Yeah, it was just a very interesting dynamic to have literally everyone around the table. I'm not sure about everybody, because I don't think we went around like, oh, what school are you from? But I got the vibe, and somebody said like, it was not, there's not many people from state schools in our yeah, And the level of education as well, state slash grammar, private, there's a massive difference. No, because I know a lot of people that have gone to private schools and things. But also, a classroom, classroom is a classroom at the end of the day. Mm. People, because I've been to a mixture of state and um, private schools, and generally, they all use the same decoration. There's still the crinkly little things around the boards. The know. primary schools, yeah. yeah. Every single display was that crinkly, yeah. multicolored border. That's so they funny. still have them. I'm getting so nostalgic. Like the private sector. But I feel like you're more appreciative of your education in the state sector than you are in the private, private sector. Um, I noticed a lot with the people who went to my school were very... They felt privileged to be they didn't feel privileged to be there um they, they didn't feel lucky yeah it was like oh mm. yeah my dad is gonna send me here because yeah everyone in my family is gone and it's just a given it's just ingrained in their family that everyone's gonna go to that level of education and a private school mm. yeah i've always felt like an imposter at school anyway because i'm a military kid and i've got in on a scholarship and yeah I always got looked down on, and especially with like military kids, there's quite a few at my school, and your like social like status at this school was to do with your dad's rank or your parents' rank, whoever was in the military. And if, Was it also how much money they had or was that just a given based on the rank that they had? Given based on the rank. So they, they could had. tell who's the wealthiest based on what their father's job is. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Wow. And I always remember this one girl and I felt so sorry for her because she got bullied so badly because her dad wasn't an officer in the army. An officer is like a high-ranking um, soldier basically and if you're not an officer, especially at my school, you're like, ooh, why are you here? And it's the looking down their noses at her mm -hmm. and I was like, Just come with me, come with me because I don't care about that yeah. shit. And that's why I love you because you're just like you shouldn't be judged based on oh how much money your parents are making that's insane no, you can't really you can't gauge a person's character how academically bright they are what kind of a person they are how pure their intentions are based on oh your parents and this amount of money but my daddy makes x amount of money and that's more than yours so i'm better and i deserve to be here like that does not mean you deserve to be yeah. here if you're a shitty little brat from a private school like <gasps> no. there's a lot of people like that mm -hmm. makes me sick to think about it actually i'm so glad i've left even though i'm so so grateful that i got to go i'm glad that it's all finished and i can actually see real people not a mm. bubble that's so superficial and a bubble of people who have never left, lived in any different places. Not it saying that like living in the same place your whole life is a bad thing, but generally with like my school, they do live in a bubble. 
and the actual place it's in is quite small as well. Oh, it's tiny. So you're exposed to a very particular type of person, particular type of background. Yeah. It's not a city, it's a countryside, it's a village, right? Really, really, really small. And... The contrast between yeah. the city we're in now, like we're in a city, it's one of the biggest cities in the UK. Diversity. And so even within the first couple of days of you being here, you got to experience 10 times that amount of diversity in terms of physical diversity, in terms of the way people think, um, the levels of income. In the first few days, and those people will ever have in their entire lives if they stayed in the same place, which a lot of them do, right? A lot of them do. They all go to the same uni, so they all go to Exeter or to Durham or to Oxford and Cambridge or to Edinburgh. They all like follow the same path. The same path. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'm going to go to Birmingham. And they all looked at me like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you going there? Like, what kind of expectations did they have of Birmingham? Well, they were like, preconceptions. Brum. And I was like, with the accent, Brum. Brum. <laughs> I was like, what's so bad? It's a really nice city, so much diversity. I'm a huge lover of culture. Yes. Like, I've grown up in many different places and I wouldn't call myself British at all, even though my accent says differently. I wouldn't call myself British at all and it's just I feel more at home here than I have anywhere else in the world. Why do you think that is? So looking back on it from in hindsight like do you think you felt more of an imposter there than you do here? I don't know. It's a good question. I've got to think about that one. Yeah. I felt like a real imposter at school because mm -hmm. I didn't really fit in. Um, my boarding house and that's not a bad thing yeah. at all. You do feel out of place and you feel like a fraud, but that doesn't mean anything about like who you are and the fact that you're not deserving to be there. You're just different yeah. and that's not a bad thing. Normal people scare me. <laughs> Reference from American Horror Story, guys. You gotta go watch it. Can I've never watched you it. You've never watched it? I've oh heard of God. it. It's good. It's American Horror Story. American okay. Horror Story, it's not scary. Kind of I mean horror in the title. <laughs> it's maybe a bit scary, but normal people do scare me and it's just like stay cool quote from there. Netflix recommendations aside, um, I'm just going to go into the five different types of imposter that like clinical psychologists have kind of identified because I've I was reading up on it and it was just really interesting and I feel like everybody can identify with one of these types. So the first one is the natural genius. Their competency is linked to how easy they find something on the first try. So if they're struggling with something, with a task or understanding something and they don't succeed the first time, they feel like an imposter because they feel like they're naturally inclined to just succeeding all the time. And then we have the perfectionists. This type of person will set very high goals for themselves and expect nothing but perfection for when they achieve those goals and anything less than perfect is a failure. And they experience imposter syndrome and self-doubt when things don't go to plan and they feel like they're the only person that can get the task done to their standards. <laughs> You're just nodding like, yes. <laughs> uh, we have the superwoman slash superman. So, the superwoman slash man, they're the type of person who excel in every single area of their lives. They must be the best friend, they must be the best wife, the best colleague, 
just the person that's just thriving in everything they do and they feel like a fraud when they're slacking in one of these areas or they're not doing their absolute best and when they're not meeting the standard they just feel like an imposter the soloist is that person who feels like they can't ask for help because they're the only person that can complete the task and in order to feel confident they have to figure it out for themselves so their self-worth and their competence is linked to the fact that they can do everything themselves and needing help is a sign of weakness which i think a lot of people face sounds a lot like me <laughs> sounds a lot like me lastly we have the expert this is kind of like the perfectionist but purely with knowledge they believe that their knowledge will never be enough and there's always going to be something that they don't know so their imposter syndrome comes from the fear of not knowing something so if they ask you a question they being anybody if they ask you a question and you don't know it you feel like a fraud because you're that person that knows everything so that's the expert so natural genius perfectionist superwoman soloist and expert what imposter are you Ina? it is a tie between the soloist and the perfectionist Ooh, soloist perfectionist combo i that feel like that's quite a dysfunctional combo <laughs> my mind is a very dark place um we all we all relate honey don't worry you, we have our days i feel like i'm the superwoman and when i was saying that you were nodding <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like I have to be good in everything I do. You are good in everything you do. That's cap. But, <laughs> yeah, perfectionist, you have high standards and you're the only one that can meet those standards. That's interesting. I am a big perfectionist. Rona knows this. Like, when I'm writing my uni, like, uni notes, they have to be... Immaculate. They are immaculate. They are immaculate. They They're are beautiful. Immaculate. Aesthetics. Oh. They have to be in three colours, so I write in a pale blue, a dark blue, <laughs> and a black. <laughs> and if they're not, then we know that something's gone your, wrong. Your day is ruined. My day is ended. She doesn't use that pastel pink for her subheadings and the lilac for her main text. Then she's failing her degree. <laughs> she's failing her degree. I won't. I won't look at my notes. But like, generally, slightly OCD in there, but maybe perfectionist less OCD. I feel Sorry. like that comes under the same umbrella. Yeah. Mm, kind of. Kind of. Cognitive dysfunction. <laughs> Mental dysfunction. Maybe. Um, we're not trained psychologists, just disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. Just... I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Definitely. Me with this whole podcast. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but just take it with a pinch of salt. But that's interesting. And then the soloist. Yeah. Needing help is a sign of failure, so you have to do everything yourself. Yeah, and when I'm that person. when you help, ask for help, you feel like an imposter because it's not your achievement. You've asked for help, you've asked for support, so that work has been like tainted by somebody else's. Yeah. Thing. yeah, it also ties into the perfectionism a bit because perfectionists, it's only you who can help yourself, and with like the soloist, you're. If you're asking for help, it's not your work, so you can't perfectionist that work. You, you can't, can't reach your level, your standards, because your standards are meant for you to reach, only for you to achieve. So, yeah, 
nobody else can reach your level of perfection because you're the only person that can reach it. That is the perfect harmony yeah. of the two. So any psychologists out there listening, please help me. Yeah, please diagnose it. <laughs> please help. I mean, I feel like we just self-diagnosed with the different types of imposter, but I hope that was interesting. Cause... Dr. Google, please, in, like, employ me. <laughs> you say Dr. Google when you're going to be a nurse. Slash doctor mm. one day, come on. Yeah, I need to become a doctor. I want to become a surgeon. He's going to be a surgeon. Oh. Just yeah. think Grey's Anatomy, but in reality, Derek because Shepherd. it's Derek <laughs> <laughs> I love Grey's. It's very romanticised, but I was speaking to my friend today, and she put something on her story about Grey's, and she's on, like, the latest season. She's very caught up. And I said, oh, I'm only on season seven, so you better not be putting any spoilers on your story. I would be so angry. I hate spoilers. I do but, hate spoilers. Um, actually, sometimes I'm that person that gives spoilers, but, um, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I'm nodding here, but to be honest, I ask for the spoilers. I'm like, who dies? Mm. Please tell me so. I'm and she hurt. said in the later seasons, they get into like social justice kind of things, and Ooh. the themes are very like um, real world and very social, societal issues. So I, think I might like. I think the vibe changes from everything being about like romance and romance and sexual tension. It goes very much into like very more mature themes. <laughs> So yeah, I've talked about what imposter syndrome I am, and I've gone off on tangents, and I never really actually asked you, like... Me? Yeah, you. Any other person in the room right now. Um, So imposter syndrome for me, I have touched upon it, about um, feeling like I don't belong because I go to a different school than anyone else for my education previously. But at the minute, we had a lecture last week and it was all about going into clinics and actually observing patients and maybe doing some assistance with the actual dentist that will be shadowing. And I just had the feeling when they were talking about where to get your scrubs, where to go for your placements, how to get there. I just feel as if we're going to be in the dental setting and the patients are going to come in. They're going to think, oh, they're in their scrubs, so they, they're in uniform and they have all of the knowledge and they have their life together because yeah they're treating me and they're looking after me so that's kind of like an authority relationship between the professional health professional and the patient which is something that makes me a bit uncomfortable because I don't have authority in this situation (laughs) I'm just pretending to know what I'm doing and I'm just observing I'm not really supposed to be here I mean I am I made my way on the course fine but yeah I just felt like I feel like I'm having presumptive feelings like before I'm actually going to do the thing I'm already feeling like an imposter so what am I going to feel like when I'm actually in that setting who knows who knows it's a very scary world out there <laughs> it's a very scary world in the dental practice <laughs> I mean a lot of people are scared of the dentist so yeah, it kind of is am. scary you are I am very scared of the dentist Ooh. I was the child who bit the dentist <laughs> Uh, I think one thing I might need to remind myself is also like I said before how much we've gone through to get to that point and knowing that I have the capability to actually be the person that I'm shadowing so the actual dentist and realizing that the thoughts in my head are just just a bully and putting me down when I'm actually more capable than I think I am but that's not my default thinking. My default is like, I'm not supposed to be here, I'm a fraud, but we move. Yeah, my default thought 
every day of my life. Default negative thinking. It's not negative thinking because we're very positive people in general. I think we just have high expectations for ourselves and a lot of self-doubt. I do beat myself up a bit. We do be beating ourselves up. And I think a lot of the time we're always in our heads. So it's crazy to think like in all of these situations we've been talking about, we're thinking about what other people are viewing us as, but we care more about that than what we're actually doing. And you can go like a whole day of being in your head. Like you don't actually experience the event that's just happened. You're in your head. So you're experiencing it. I'm like, oh, what are they going to think? Like um, they're judging me. I'm not supposed to be doing this or I'm not doing it as well as I should be. And then we think we get so much in our head that we're not experiencing it in reality. Do you get that? Yeah, I get that so much. Psychologists would be interested in my brain and how it functions because Mm -hmm. generally with like my closest, closest friends, I feel like, well, what if they see me as who I actually am? I'm I'm myself around them, but like, am I really myself is what mm. I think about all the time and they're going to figure me out. Like you're putting on a performance. I think yeah. a lot in social situations, we are putting on a performance. Like we're ourselves, by, when we're by ourselves, we're one way and that's us, whatever that means. But I think you can be different people in different situations, like a different side of you comes out and that might just be because of the situation, but also you're kind of putting on performance for different types of people. Yeah. Like the way you are with your family is different to the way you are with your best friend or the way you are with your course mates who you don't know that well or the people at work. And like, I often feel like I've got a different mask for every different situation. So I've got a mask for my parents. I have a mask for professional situations. Yeah. And then underneath, I'm just like this crumbling person who's like, and which mask am I? Am which, I all of these? Am I none of them? Yeah, which mask do I put on for which situation? Do I put them all on? Do I want people to see who I am? Or mm. is that too much of a fraud that they would never want to know me? I think it's important to be mindful of how much you share of yourself with different people. But I think for me, I'm most authentic around my closest friends and maybe my family sometimes as well. I feel like... A situation where you're around family and family who are genuinely love you and care for you and you don't feel judged by it's different if you have family members who you don't feel like you can be yourself with but for me I feel very supported so I am very myself around them and my closest friends because yeah that's just the mask that I choose is no mask kind of thing but for anybody else I am not really that person or I am but it's a selective part of me yeah Around you, no mask needed. She's seen me at my worst. Uh, your best and your worst. My worst. Sometimes <laughs> on the same day. <laughs> my best literally dancing around in my pyjamas to High School Musical, as we do quite often. And then literally two minutes later, I go to Lou and say, I'm just going to go to Lou. And I literally sit in my room like, why am I this person? And I... I break down. Do you ever have such a good experience and then you go home and you're like, but but why am I so happy? Like, this is so weird. Like, do I deserve this? Why do I deserve to be happy? Constantly we do. Thought. You do deserve to be happy. There's no reason why you shouldn't feel at your absolute happiest and contentest. But sometimes it just feels like, why, why me? Why am I so, like, so yeah. blessed to be this happy? But that's not what we should be thinking like. 
don't know. It shouldn't really be on our thoughts, like questioning our happiness. Do I when... overthink? My overthinking. Yeah, like is happiness a privilege? No, it's a right. It is a right. It is a right. So we're gonna kind of round it off here. It was a jam-packed episode. I feel like we went off on a lot of tangents, so sorry if it didn't really flow logically. But yeah, got everything off my chest. I got I everything off my chest. To. And some of the stories that I went off on didn't expect to to even say like they weren't in my head this morning yeah but i feel like as soon as we got into the imposter syndrome it just opened a can of worms it was just there like hello waiting to be exposed (laughs) i feel like this podcast was just therapy for us therapy session with ina and reina i should name this episode therapy session with my flatmate (laughs) and we also had we might have had may or may not have had a nacho slash alcoholic beverage break in the middle yeah if you have any thoughts on imposter syndrome or this episode in general please don't hesitate to message me on the podcast instagram because i'd love to hear what you guys have to say or comment on the post for this episode at rainers underscore ramblings on instagram i will catch you guys next time have a wonderful day and rest of your week bye